Welcome one, welcome all. Uh, here is another edition of Jeremy Susty Podcast. Last month we kicked it off with the interview of Allie Smith, and this month we're going to transition into interviewing uh, a colleague of mine in the Masters of Urban Planning program, as well as someone I'm happy to call a friend of mine, Miss Asha Musset. How are you doing, Asha? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to have you. Uh, so um, on this lovely Tuesday afternoon, we're here to talk about sustainability and how it affects our lives, uh, some of the work that we do regarding that. Um, more specifically, some of the work Asha does, because I'm sure you guys don't want to hear about me again. But um, if you have nothing else to kick off with, Asha, we can just dive right in. Is that okay? No, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Okay. Locked and loaded. Let's do it. <laughs> so where are you from, Asha, and how did you end up at University of Buffalo? So I am from the Buffalo area. I'm specifically from Amherst, so outside the city of Buffalo. Um, and I ended up at UB because I was looking for um, planning programs in New York State, and I found that UB had one of the most well-accredited um, and well-known programs, and it also was affordable. Um, so I started with environmental design in undergrad, and I actually really enjoyed it, and um, I got offered a scholarship to come here for grad school, so I, I stuck around. The scholarship definitely does help, doesn't it? <laughs> it was huge. It was huge. Yeah. One could say it was huge. Okay, so uh, you mentioned that you did do environmental design here at UB. So can you touch on what influenced you to get into environmental design? What sparked your passion for that? Yeah, so originally I was actually interested in architecture. Um, I think anyone who's from Buffalo might know the Hotel Lafayette. Um, it was you know, constructed and designed by one of the first female architects um, who had her own office, um, which was very interesting to me. I've always liked historic architecture, got very interested in that in high school, and um, again, I kind of got introduced uh, to planning through meeting some planners in the city of Buffalo, and I knew that there wasn't a ton of kind of bachelor's degrees in urban planning, so I was looking at something that was similar. I looked at the architecture program for UB, um, and then I found environmental design through that, and it was kind of a lot of different things, like some of my classes were in landscape architecture, some of them were in architecture, some of them were um, more planning focused, but I got like to experience a ton of different kinds of classes and learn a lot of different things and, and really consider a lot of different possibilities for my career, which was really, really useful. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, this is something I've asked to a lot of people who did environmental design, uh, but could you touch on kind of the balance between design and environments in the major? Do you think it's more uh, oriented towards one side? Do you think it's a healthy mixture of design and environmental study? Uh, type work, or what would you say on that? So I would say my experience with it, and I think that there's been some changes recently to it, but um, it's less design than architecture, more history. Um, it's closer to something in political science, honestly. Mm -hmm. And also um, the only class I had that really explicitly dealt with like environments or like environmental issues was more the landscape architecture class that I took. Mm. So I think that environmental design is a very broad term, and I found that it most closely, most of my classes closely aligned with urban planning versus something like environmental studies or something like architecture that's more purely design focused. But 
I would say the studios that I did were pretty similar to the graduate studios and planning that I do now. Um, but I think that, you know, the tools needed to do those graduate studios definitely came from the graduate classes that I took. So. Very interesting. Okay. So, you know, I've had to talk about this with my mom and my dad, uh, but being an urban planner, um, how would you say, what was your specialization again? Neighborhood planning and community development. Oh, wow. Neighborhood planning and community development. It's a beautiful specialization. (laughs) I Um, love it. Did you think it was a kind of a natural, you kind of touched on how it was similar to some of the studios you took in E&D or similar to planning studios. Do you think it's a natural transition from E&D to your specialization in MEP? So I think that, well, first of all, I considered, I think, almost every specialization that's offered Um, And I took classes in almost all of them. Um, So I kind of wanted to, like, I I started by taking a historic preservation class, actually, because I knew that required kind of another certificate, and I would need to get started early if I wanted to do that. That was extremely interesting. Um, I got to do, you know, again, historical projects or do research that was kind of outside my comfort zone. Um, I think for me my interest that I kind of developed in undergrad of park planning and green spaces and how that relates to either nonprofits or um, community, like community development, that's what made the natural progression for me was I think sort of involved with my research that I had done and also just assignments that I had had in in undergrad and where I found myself um, kind of focusing naturally. So some people might say that the environmental specialization has more to do with those like, you know, environmental issues. And I think that all of them sort of address, you know, there's a lot of overlap between all of those, but the angle that I was coming at it from was, I think, from a community development perspective, which is how I, I ended up picking that one. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, (laughs) So kind of pivoting from that, you touched on uh, your interest here, but I have heard through the grapevine, uh, that you work with Dr. Henry Taylor through the Center for Urban Studies at UB. Could you delve a little bit into what you do there, what that entails, uh, the daily tasks that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been working for Dr. Taylor since 2019. Um, it was my last semester of undergrad, actually. So I had an internship with the Community as Classroom program, and um, that's within the Center for Urban Studies. So they do a lot of other projects, um, usually centering around racial equity in the city of Buffalo. Um, It could be like economic development or, um, in my case, it's public education and gardening. So um, Community as Classroom takes place in the Fruit Belt in Buffalo, which is a distressed um, majority-minority community. Um, And I teach with um, middle schoolers to help them understand urban planning concepts. So that ranges... And everything from sustainability and transportation to food systems um, to the history of their neighborhood to architecture, um, a really broad range of topics. And it usually functions as an after-school program, but it has previously um, been in school as well. And then part of that also um, is managing the community garden that's associated with the school. So um, recently, actually in the past year, we've been trying to broaden the reach of this program specifically to have more of a nutrition and health focus. So we are looking to recruit some P3 
people possibly from the medical school um, or who have a background in nutrition to help us teach about those concepts as well. And this all kind of culminates in the Future City competition that we participate in every year, which um, is a regional competition mainly focused on uh, you know, getting middle schoolers interested in STEM which is interesting because we're the only team of only planners. Um, so we kind of bring this social science perspective and yeah. we emphasize, you know, how our communities feel and how, you know, what rights do people have in our city? Essentially this competition asks middle schoolers to um, design a city 100 years in the future. So um, all of these concepts that we teach them throughout the year um, end up kind of manifesting themselves in this competition through the model they build and the essay they write. Um, and uh, so that's really that's really the core of the Communist Classroom program is um, kind of creating the vision of the future city with these students and uh, making urban planning topics accessible um, and also involving them in the their community green space with the community garden. Yeah, 100%. I think that's such an important... Uh, role to play, uh, really, public education, and specifically for initiatives like green space development is really key. It has a lot of benefits, as um, our five listeners may not know, but uh, we know <laughs> as urban planners, as the experts that we are, obviously. Uh, but um, I wanted to ask about green space specifically. So what would you imagine green space uh, being, like the role of it being in forging sustainable communities? in an environmentally, socially, and economically sustainable way? You know, that's a lofty question. It's a big question. Yeah, it is a big question. <laughs> um, well, I would say, coming from my perspective and seeing people interact with the green space that I manage, it does serve as not only like a social space, but also a learning space for students. But also, I think environmental education is interesting because anyone at any age can learn about nature, experience nature. Um, and it's, I think more than just being able to identify a plant, it's being able to feel at home in nature, feeling, feeling like you're, um, you have somewhere to walk around or meet up with friends. Um, I mean, a lot of the students don't live within walking distance of a park um, or one that they can get to without crossing a major road. So I think having something associated with the school um, that they even could just stop by after school. Um, we also grow uh, vegetables every year. So part of um, our mission and our work includes uh, bringing those vegetables to community members. So we literally are just knocking on doors, handing out free vegetables to anyone that lives um, close. So I think that beyond just serving as this kind of social space where people can come together and, you know, you can hang out with friends or be active. It's also a place where you can get um, fresh vegetables. And it's also, um, you know, just creating that social cohesion in that neighborhood as well. So bringing, you know, students in contact with residents that might not even have students that go to that school um, is bringing together a bunch of different kinds of people um, in this, in a way that I don't see maybe, in other urban planning disciplines, there's a lot of opportunity for, but I'm sure there is. But that's just my perspective. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Ashra, um, based off of your work with Dr. Taylor, because I know Dr. Taylor uh, focuses a lot on communities of color, specifically in Buffalo and 
kind of the impact of intentional policy meant to marginalize them in a lot of ways, disenfranchise them, uh, and that's reflected in a lot of you know, health outcomes, uh, spatial uh, distribution of different communities. So what do you think the role of green space would be specifically for communities of color to try to mitigate some of those negative impacts of policy in the past and uh, concurrently? Yeah, I think that definitely, um, you know, I talked a little bit about how this can be um, a place to get fresh food um, or a place to exercise. Um, green spaces, again, aside from just creating all this social cohesion, um, become really important for those uh, different aspects of life, whether it be, um, you know, your mental health, it could help relieve stress, um, specifically with climate change, um, areas in the east side have a lot less uh, tree canopy than those in other areas of Buffalo. Um, so I think that those are going to be areas where the effects of extreme heat are going to be felt disproportionately. Um, and Buffalo still has so much spatial segregation within our neighborhoods that um, all of these impacts of, you know, like you're saying, these policies that have disenfranchised communities of color for years, um, make all of those impacts of urban development, all the negative impacts, um, you know, lack of access to food or, um, you know, the urban heat island effect that, you know, is created through the effects of climate change. All of these things are felt disproportionately within the east side. That's why I think it's especially important that this program is located in, you know, kind of the heart of this neighborhood. And also, very close to the University of Buffalo Medical Campus, mm. which um, I think part of this, too, is the university's responsibility to address our involvement in the community. Sorry. Um, and I think in undergrad, I noticed that a lot of our, you know, involvement with the community seemed to me superficial. So I mm. think having this job where I feel like we are making a positive impact um, on a community or at least helping, you know, creating a space for that community to grow, um, even just with these students, is really important and an obligation of the university, in my opinion. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. That's definitely uh, something the university needs to make an active effort to do uh, tangibly to impact people's lives in a positive way. And also, it's so <laughs> to preface, also not just the fact that the medical campus is there, but because the medical campus was built right next to the Fruit Belt, there's a lot of pressure of development for that neighborhood for long-term residents. Um, and I think that, you know, beyond just this program, there needs to be a greater effort to, like a responsibility on the university to address that their, their own involvement is gentrifying that area. Um, so, you know, that's all I wanted to add there. <laughs> yeah, that's a really important addition that should be at the center of all university strategies and uh, action items moving forward, 100%. So kind of building off of that, like I've had conversations because I'm someone who's involved in the environmental space and even with the work I do for the county with climate change outreach to communities of color, um, you know, I've been called a unicorn in a lot of different ways or from a lot of different people. Like, you know, you see a black man really actively involved in the sustainability efforts or environmental protection efforts. That's something that's not very common. And in asking people about why that could potentially be, um, one of the more interesting responses I've gotten and I've really like ruminated on has been the harsh relationship between uh, blacks historically in this country and land 
um, specifically because of the institution of slavery that was, you know, the law of the land for generations, for centuries. And following that, obviously, the racial residential segregation that you see following the great migration of African Americans to cities and urban spaces. So my question to you is, do you think reaching out to youth is the best way to really engage communities of color, and specifically the black community, in uh, environmental protection efforts? And um, do you think there are any weaknesses in that strategy of reaching out to school kids? Do you think there could be a more robust effort to reach out to um, communities of color and of all different ages? Or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, it's a really tough question. Um, you know, when you think about, or when I think about the impact of this one program with this one school, with, you know, this specific demographic, I think that we try to also reach out to parents at some, you know, it's a community school, so they have some events with parents and students where they have, like, workshops and, um, you know, little activities for them to do in the school to try to build that relationship. But um, thinking more broadly, I, I do find that, you know, my students are extremely creative in their solutions for um, problems of future cities and, you know, extremely bright. I, I didn't have teaching experience before this, um, you know, not in like, not in this sort of, um, you know, structured classroom setting. Um, so I think it was really interesting to me to hear them have such interesting ideas and to hear their perspectives and mm -hmm. I think that it's it's going it's always going to be a process of trying to break down those barriers between um, you know communities of color and their their history with uh, land or or green space or envir environmentalism. But I do think that um, you know I've just had such an interesting time learning from my students as well, um, and to hear them ask me questions about you know, why we don't have free housing or why, yeah. um, why school, why college isn't free or all, all these things that, you know, when they start to formulate their um, vision of what a city could be, I think that's really freeing for them. And I think that's really um, when they start to have these really incredible ideas that made us a finalist last year. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I guess to get back to your original question, I think that, um, you know, young students are always going to be like more creative and um, less confined to kind of the ideas of our society that we already, that are kind of ingrained into us. Mm. But it's, um, that doesn't mean it should stop with, you know, young students. I think there should be outreach at, at every level, but I've just, I've found that they are so creative and so open to um, consider possibilities that aren't right in front of them. Um, and that has been really successful in, you know, this exercise we do with thinking about the future of cities or sustainability or, mm -hmm. or all these things. Um, so I hope that answers it. Yeah, definitely. That's a, that's a great answer. Um, just from my experience, like in the MUP program at UB, I've only been here a year so far, but um, just at UB and kind of broader environmental networks um, at different municipality levels, different institutions of higher learning, et cetera. I, I do see a more active effort to reach out to communities of color and kind of bridge the gap uh, because oftentimes sustainability is a very like white dominated space and it can be intimidating for you know people who don't you know, have that cultural background. So um, I do see, especially like younger people, like 
of your age and my age, uh, really trying to change that and actively call that out and uh, take tangible steps to, to change that. Uh, so I, I'm optimistic. I'd like to be <laughs> optimistic. Uh, but yeah, so we definitely need to call on universities to do a better job. So I appreciate what you do, Asha. I would, I would also just add that it's intimidating for a lot of people too, like just environmentalism in general. I didn't, I'm, I wouldn't call myself an environmentalist because I don't think I have like the science or biology background that would kind of qualify me as someone who, who knows about that. Um, and I think there is like some gatekeeping in environmentalism, um, you know, by multiple different groups, um, but mainly by, like you're saying, like white people um, have dominated that space for a very long time. And it isn't intimidating to um, sometimes, you know, start, start from scratch or start from wherever you're at to mm-hmm. kind of educate yourself and, and try to try to learn about it more. So yeah. I think it's just, it's challenging and it's daunting and maybe not everyone's willing to, <laughs> to do it, but it is, it's worth it to try, you know? Okay, Ashra, thank you. Uh, so tell us what you're planning on doing next. What comes after the MUP program here at Buffalo? Oh, wow. <laughs> that question. I am graduating so soon. Um, I'm graduating in December, and I'm currently looking for jobs right now in a couple different cities. Um, I had actually an internship with the National Park Service this summer, um, working on uh, an orchard, a historic apple orchard that they are restoring. So I did some research on pruning styles and apple varieties and um, all this really interesting, you know, kind of horticultural knowledge that I didn't have previously. Yeah, and that's an Austria's side podcast, all about <laughs> apples. <laughs> all about apples. Yeah. Check it out. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm looking at trying to figure out how to keep teaching. Um, I've found that I really love it and I like working with, um, you know, younger kids or with, you know, people my age or people older than me. I think it's all very um, exciting and I love, you know, learning about environmentalism and I love sharing it. So a lot of the jobs I'm applying for are like environmental educator or um, a coordinator for community gardens. Um, So something that allows me to kind of make a bigger impact than, you know, not that I'm not (laughs) making an impact now, but maybe working with a broader, um, population, whether that be, you know, multiple schools or um, different age groups. But I I really want to keep doing this kind of outreach because it's very important to me. And I want to keep learning, you know, about environmentalism. And I I have a passion for learning about plants and uh, gardening. So I would love for that to be part of my job as well. But um, stay tuned is the answer to what I'm doing next. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we know no matter what it is, it's going to be fantastic and you're going to be great at it because that's who you are, Ashra. So no doubt. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so my last question for today, uh, when slash if you leave Buffalo, what is it that you'll miss the most about it? And what changes would you like to see when you come back to visit in, let's say, 10 years? That's a really good question. Um, I think there's a, I don't know, there's a charm that it has, like trying to describe Buffalo to other people. It's like, 
you know, it's a rust belt city and we get so much snow and like <laughs> we haven't always had it, had it great here. Like, I mean, I watched, you know, I, I grew up here. So I watched, you know, canal side happen and all of this like huge development happening downtown. And, you know, downtown used to be a ghost town when I was younger. So I think, um, I feel very just emotionally connected to this city because I've watched it grow in that way. Um, and I have an endearment for just like Rust Belt cities in general. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss like all the architecture and all of the, I'll, I'll miss Delaware Park. <laughs> um, yeah. I'll miss my family. Um, <laughs> had to squeeze that <laughs> so out huge. Yeah. Um, but I think when I come back to visit, um, I would love to see like just more connectivity between all of the parks in this city. We have a lot of really interesting, um, I think we have a lot of really interesting green spaces that have a lot of potential to create, um, you know, kind of parkways and connections and, um, you know, added green infrastructure and all of these things. I think if there was more connectivity, more um, accessibility to them through either biking or just like walking trails, I think that would be huge because, um, you know, so much of Buffalo right now, you do have to, you have to drive to get to. Um, so I think that would be huge, um, for me to see, uh, but I will miss it if I, if I leave. I'm not sure I am, but you never know. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. (laughs) 